everyone. This is the Hey Lolo. A little bit about that show with David Reggae. <laughs> and uh, I don't know too much about libertarianism, but my, but my guest Joe does. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks for having me, David. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I hear you're a longtime listener of the show. <laughs> I've heard every uh, episode. I do like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, let's jump right into it. So, um, first of all, I think there are some competing uh, definitions of libertarianism. And I've definitely heard more than one libertarian talk about people who are not real libertarians. Uh-huh. So I'd like to get what your take is. Like, what is libertarianism to you? Sure. Yeah, there's definitely plenty of uh, libertarians. Libertarians are like Jews or like socialists. They all uh, have a, a, a claim of, of what a real libertarian is or, or not. Um, I, what's that? Yeah, there's no, there are no true Scotsmen. Um, but I don't really care. I'm happy to have a wide tent of libertarians. I think most people or a lot of people even that don't call themselves libertarian are probably libertarian or sympathetic to a lot of libertarian ideals. I, for, the last thing I would want to do is exclude anybody um, just because they, they have a different opinion. But I would say that um, libertarianism at its roots is a moral philosophy. Um, it asserts self-ownership and property ownership. And I would say the Torah standing on one foot version uh, core value of libertarianism is the belief in the non-aggression principle which states that you cannot offensively initiate violence against another person or property which in other words just is don't hurt people and don't take their stuff um, so I think that is libertarianism in a nutshell and I'm curious um, what the competing definitions that you've heard are because I've definitely heard a lot of definitions and you can go from like uh you know libertarian leaning to like minarchy to uh you know anarchist or anarcho-capitalist and i and those are kind of more extreme versions of the same thing i wouldn't say they're competing necessarily um but just like a a spectrum of how extreme you want to get with it Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I've definitely heard the non-aggression principle get touted by uh, basically everyone who claims to be a libertarian. Um, I don't know uh, if I've heard too many specific definitions of the term recently. Uh, I just recall a lot hearing libertarians say like, well, that's not real libertarianism Mm. when, uh, you know, some some goofball might get pointed out to them as like, hey, like well, what he said. <laughs> I, I, I will say there are people who, who use the word and 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 people in libertarian circles are like, ah, we don't want that person called themselves a libertarian. Like Ben Shapiro, he's not a libertarian. Dave Rubin, he's not a libertarian. You know, and like Joe Rogan, yeah, okay, I guess he's a libertarian, but not like intellectually. He's just like his gut instincts are libertarian. So people could quibble about, you know, whether people are using the word correctly or not. Um, but I, I think that, uh, you know, there are a lot of things Ben Shapiro says that are libertarian just cause all of them aren't. <laughs> and there's a good amount that are not. Um, I, I, I don't mind people using the word to describe things that are actually libertarian. It, it, it would only annoy me if people use the word to mean something that it doesn't. Um, as a label, I don't really care. I don't really like labels. Libertarian is the one of one of the only labels I've accepted upon myself. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm allergic to labels. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, I mean, it sounds to me like the kind of um, goal of or or stated overarching philosophy of libertarianism is an ethical one that says essentially, you know, like people should be free yeah up until the point where it means infringing on someone else's freedom yeah and i i think that that's a a kind of idea that could really have a lot of um uh a lot of broad acceptance 
in society. I think it's an attractive one to people of all different kinds of stripes. And I think that the kind of issue that people take with libertarianism when people do take an issue with libertarianism today is more what has it morphed into in America? What does the Libertarian Party stand for in America today? Or what do most well-known, you know, pundits who self-describe as libertarian preach? So happy to discuss Uh, that, but I just want to note that those are three different things. Um, Libertarianism, the Libertarian Party, and popular libertarian pundits are three completely separate different concepts. I'm happy to talk about all of them, but they don't necessarily reflect on each other. They do correlate for sure, but um, I just want to make that distinction. Yeah, I mean, I actually haven't heard really um, much much direct criticism of libertarianism as a kind of a, a kind of uh, ideology free from application, right? Like I've only really heard critique of it when it comes to the modern era in, in America. You mentioned like um, you mentioned like anarcho capitalist mm-hmm. kind of thinkers and. It seems like libertarianism has a very um, a very close relationship to modern capitalism in America mm-hmm. specifically. I actually don't really know um, how how the um, how the philosophy of it has has kind of evolved in Europe and else, elsewhere, but in America, I'm what I'm actually familiar with is is this kind of like tight coupling between this ethical philosophy or moral philosophy and the idea that capitalism is the greatest thing to have ever happened. So I, I agree with it the way that you just phrased it, but the way you said it the first time, I would, I, I, I would disagree. I don't think that um, capitalism in America is um, capitalism the way libertarians would want it. Um, libertarians are in favor of free market capitalism. They're not in favor of crony capitalism, special interest groups, taxation, um, uh, you know, different uh, laws, Federal Reserve. These are things that libertarians would be against. So I don't think they would be in favor of capitalism in America. They would be in favor, like you said at the second time, of capitalism being uh, the best uh, method to increase wealth for everybody. I think that is a sentiment that that most libertarians would share, but I don't think they would be okay with the way capitalism is is carried out or portrayed in America. Is there is there any capitalist society that gets kind of held up as like a beacon of libertarian ideals by libertarians in general? <sighs> There are some. I don't even want to go to them. First of all, I'm not like an expert in in, in history, and and I don't think there's any um, long-lasting things that look great. I think that the ideals that were set out in the founding documents of this country were were great. Um, They weren't living up to those standards even at the time, but the things set out in the Declaration of Independence of uh, a govern a government by the consent of the governed um, is is something that most libertarians um, would be okay with. Even the ones that that don't want government, um, I think, would be totally fine with that kind of government. And uh, I know I'm speaking for for those people, but uh, at some level, whatever company you want to call that's providing your security and and whatever if you don't want to call it a government you want call it whatever you want i think a government at the consent of the governed is the same thing but i don't know people might quibble with that um but in terms of um modern day examples i think uh, libertarians are very much in favor of cryptocurrencies cryptocurrencies are viewed as a way to escape the paradigm of these fiat currencies um most of them are scams, but uh, some like like Bitcoin or, or even Ethereum um, do have potential to be unregulated currencies. So I think most libertarians are behind that kind of thing. Um, and another thing that looks interesting right now is Argentina. I don't know too much about it, but the leading presidential candidate, Alejandro Millet, is a self-described anarcho-capitalist libertarian. So things could be very interesting. All right, I'll make sure to check that out. 
So uh, how did you come to libertarianism? How, do you remember how you kind of like first discovered it? Um, what about it intrigued you and, and really um, led you down the path of libertarianism? Sure. I, I don't know if I remember 100% what order things happened in, but let's say that I went from uh, politically uninvolved completely to kind of conservative to really fed up <laughs> with everything to uh, finding libertarianism. Uh, somewhere um, along the way, I did read Ayn Rand and I found her work very compelling. Um, and then um, Joe Rogan had on Larry Sharp, who was running for governor of New York under the Libertarian Party. And that that really was uh, one of my big wake-ups. Um, followed a, a couple months later when Dave Smith was on Ari Shafir's podcast. And those two um, really kind of got me down this rabbit hole. Um, Larry Sharp was running for governor back in, in 2018. And uh, he had a lot of interesting ideas. I was sick of the, the Cuomo uh, dictatorship. And he was saying things that were smart, um, that were crazy, <laughs> that I thought made sense or didn't make sense, but they made me think that there could be alternative solutions to these problems um, and that you didn't have to be satisfied with the status quo. Things could actually change. And that was a, a, an eye-opening moment for me. And then hearing Dave Smith on Ari Shafir's podcast, uh, Dave Smith does like a, an annual State of the Union on, on Ari Shafir's podcast at the end of the year. And that got me thinking about federal issues on, in a very different way. And I started listening to his podcast regularly, um, which at, at first um, struck me as pretty extreme. And then um, <laughs> I just kind of went down the rabbit hole. I was radicalized, you can say. So. And this all really took off for you in 2018. Uh, yep, 2018 is is kind of when it when I guess the the thing started, and then uh, 2020 when COVID came, I went hardcore. Well, wait before before we go to that, before we go to that, and we can talk about that. But I'm but saying that's like what I, concretized I, I, things. I'd like to pull on this thread a little bit. You mentioned being sick of Governor Cuomo's. Uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna describe it as a anti-libertarian governor because in contra in in contradistinction to him, you are intrigued by the things that Larry Sharp, yeah, you know, yeah, Larry Sharp had a lot of a lot of cool uh, ideas. Candidate for governor, so so tell me a little bit about like what you were fed up with, uh, and I'm I'm not a fan of Cuomo. I'm not about to defend anything, um, but. In 2018, because I, I know that you were upset about some things in, in 2020, but I'd like to know what you were pissed about in 2018, sure. and and the kinds of the kinds of specific ideas that were getting talked about that that piqued your interest when you were hearing them from these guys like you know Larry Sharp and uh, Dave Smith at that yeah. time. So I don't know if I remember everything, but um, I would say that back in 2018. I wasn't pissed like I was in 2020. In 2018, I was willing to tolerate and complain. Um, 2020 is when I felt the need to move, which I did just now, but still. <laughs> uh, 2018. But, but what were you tolerating in 2018, though? Yeah. Complaining about? Um, so, uh, you know, very high taxes, a lot of homeless, a lot of crime. MTA is, uh, is fucked up. Uh, strict gun laws uh, at the time uh, weed was still illegal believe it or not um, there were uh, criminal justice reform um, just tons of uh, examples of government failure where you are paying a tremendous amount of government of money to the government uh, for the sole purpose of them solving these problems and they're doing a terrible job and asking you for more money um, and that, that is something that, uh, was very upsetting, but like I said, these, these were things that I, I don't even know if I was thinking about them until, 
uh, Larry said some of these ideas like like why does it have to be so expensive he why are we naming the bridge after governor cuomo why don't we contract out the bridge to the highest bidder and you know just like you have whoever's name on on a stadium for a billion dollars why don't they put their name on a bridge for a billion dollars they can maintain the bridge give the city revenue stop charging people extra money for these this infrastructure why are we giving the mta more money so they cannot make any improvements to the subway at all why are we paying and and he's and look he's not an extremist if he was an extremist he would abolish all these things he's not he he's not abolishing public schooling he had an idea to chop off one year of public schooling where instead of senior year where no one's doing anything you have an option of three things either you can do 12th grade or you can go to college early or you can learn a trade and still funded by the state, but at a lesser cost. And it, I mean, these were all, he just, if you go to his website, which is still up, LarrySharp.org, um, he's got like 30 ideas and they're, they're not impossible and they're not extremist and they're just ideas to do things differently. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's what really got me interested. Everyone else was willing to just keep going long, pretending that there aren't issues. Let's keep giving money to the government. There's a reason why people are leaving New York and California. And people were leaving even before COVID. It's not just COVID. The, uh, the taxation and your return on investment is way out of whack. So these are some of the highest taxes. And what you get for the taxes are um, not worthwhile at all. Okay. So I'm, I'm not going to offer any pushback on anything here. Um, instead, let's move forward to 2020. Um, I, I will just note that um, a lot of those complaints were not really about um, libertarianism or not libertarianism. I think there were interesting kind of policy ideas that you mentioned from Larry Sharp. But, um, you know, un- unless we get to the uh, that taxation amounts to theft. That's exactly and is, what it is. In, and, and is in in a way uh, an, a violation of the non-aggression principle because uh, because it's a violation of, of the people's property. Yeah, that, that, that that's sense. that's exactly what it is. Taxation is theft. And the idea with all these policies is that if the government is stealing your money and doing with it what you would have done with your money anyway, then I'm not going to complain about it. So if 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 the government's well, no, spending I, I my mean, money I, I, better I than I would. We have to be more subtle than that because taxation is you're saying that taxation is theft. Yes. When it's bad government no i'm saying taxation is always theft but at least if the government's doing something that i would do anyway i'm not going to complain about it i do think it's morally wrong regardless but if the government's going to take my money and do with it what i would have anyways done with my money then then why would i complain about that the point is they're taking my money and doing things with it that i don't agree with that is what's worth complaining about and either way it's theft and I don't think. Okay, if you if you have a society that's composed of ten people, yeah, right, and they all agree that they want to live in the society, yeah, and that they're going to elect one leader to make decisions, yeah, because they're going to pool resources, mm-hmm. right, and they're going to uh, vote democratically on who that leader is. You're you're making an assumption, and and, and, and I'm a, like, let's just say though, let's. You know, well, I'm saying do, I'm saying your, your hypothetical worked until and let's just say let's just say <laughs> let's just say uh, I'm saying that your uh, let's, let's just say it was good until that point. Continue. I'm just saying where where you lost me already. But continue. Well, no, I mean, like, look, just like assume that there is an election. We're just imagining it on the small scale. Right. Because obviously yeah, I'm analogizing from government. I, and I recognize that democracy isn't run perfectly. It's very it gets much more complicated at scale, especially because corporations get involved. 
Um, so, so did all so, ten people so, so there's unanimously there's a, so there's a, so there's a vote for this of, person? Sorry. Did all ten people unanimously vote for this person? No, but before How the many vote, did? they agree. They they did agree before a majority, but before the vote, they did agree unanimously that they would abide. Yes, entering into the situation okay, of okay, saying like okay. we're definitely we're definitely all getting together, pooling resources and electing a leader to make executive decisions about Fine. how those resources are used for shared Fine. for okay. you know shared needs that we have. Right. Okay, I'm following. Okay. So that's the pact. We're going to abide by the outcome. And then the election is made, you know, by a thin majority of just only six people voted for this guy. He's great to those six people. But the other four people are very unhappy with him. They don't like his medo, they don't like his character traits, and they think that he makes... Uh, I think he doesn't have they think he doesn't really know how to use the resources wisely he's not a businessman okay. you know and um they're unhappy with that and they start to complain no this is theft so okay that's the analogy for me i'm i have a hard time shaking the i have a hard time with the taxation is theft premise mm -hmm. because there's an initial compact that's made of we are entering into a society sometimes we're not going to like who gets voted for but we're starting off with that assumption that yes we're going to abide by the laws that get established that are elected by a majority it's a government by the people for the people of the people maybe that's not in the right order but like that's the idea and it was accepted unanimously at the time. And if you didn't want to take part of it, you could go live in a different place where there probably was less freedom. Right? I have three, uh, or at least three different answers. <laughs> well, uh, I want to hear at least one of them. <laughs> well, well, they're, well, they're different. So... And no more than two of them. No, I'm joking. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> well, okay. So first of all, the, the Declaration of Independence states that um, they were declaring independence. They wanted to elect a government by the consent of the government, and if at any point the government becomes tyrannical, it is the duty of the people to replace that government with a new one. That was outlined in the Declaration of Independence. That's number one. Number two is um, I did not sign any social contract at all, and I don't think it's fair to obligate you to something that even at the time no one else signed that. The, the founders signed that, and everyone else was subjugated to their rule. They did not all agree to it. Number three, and this is really a combination of the first two. If you, if, if, if I want to offer my services to you, and I'll say, I will be your I, I maid. Think I, I, I just, just a small quibble on number two. This yeah. is taking place during a a revolutionary war so okay. the people who by by dint of staying in america and not being a turncoat and going to britain when you have a chance to you are assenting to the government that arises in that country that's now your chosen homeland but you, go ahead. you can you can say that um i think it's a little bit more complicated but i i don't think it's unfair to say that um I, I do think it's unfair to, to ask people to move for the sake of a government. I think that, um, and, and libertarians view your self-ownership as primary. And if, if I don't want to um, live in, in a place that has a tyrannical government, um, then it is not, um, it, 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 the, the government doesn't have the right to say that just because you were born in a geographic area, they own you. You still own yourself. And that is um, kind of what I was going to get to with number three, which is that if if I want to um, be a, a live-in servant for you, um, then I can give you a contract and, and say, like, um, I'll, I'll offer you my services, for the next 20 years, this is how much you'll pay me, whatever. And it's a perfectly valid thing. I don't think I should be allowed, and some people would disagree, but 
I don't think I should be allowed to make a contract for my unborn children to say that my future generations will be your servants. And I think that um, it, it's interesting. I, I did have a conversation with someone that, that disagreed with that. And I would love to hear him explain how he thinks that's moral. But I don't think you can make agreements for future generations. I think if you're not a consenting adult, you're not part of the agreement. The agreement is amongst consenting adults. And that is all. You cannot um, make you can you cannot assume consent for people unable to consent. Uh, I do think that that last point is a, a is a fair one. Um, what I would what I would say to um, what I would say basically to all of this is that the the idea that taxation is theft as a general rule you know that seems deeply flawed to me because practically speaking most people do consent right well if and, you consent uh, i i i, I I, I grant that you have a problem with the idea that, you know, you shouldn't have to relocate in order to not take part in a government. But that's a completely impractical, like, there's no way to practice that in the real world. Like, to have a government, there needs to be a locality of the government. <laughs> and for you to be, you know, for people to participate in the society, like, there does have to be some kind of continuity. And I think that it totally makes sense to have like, you know, popular democratic revolutions, like not, not, I mean, like through democratic means, yes, by all means, like elect new leaders, kick people out of office, you know, use freedom of speech to, to protest and make sure that uh, the powers that be are, are aware of the displeasure of the people, et cetera, and so on and forth. And, and, you know, uh, I, I would even agree that there are cases where, uh, violent resistance is absolutely called for. But um, the general proposition that, that taxation is theft just doesn't seem um, serious on its face. Like, I, I, I could agree that, like, it feels like theft to somebody who's living in a place where they're unhappy with the government. But the reality is that in the, you know, global north, um, the Western world, freedom of movement is pretty broad as long as you have the means to do it, right? And you're only really not able to do that if you are, unfortunately, and I think that this is a problem of capitalism, frankly, and, and would be a, a probably compounded by free, mar free markets uh, specifically, um, if you're impoverished and you just don't have the means to travel because you, you you're risking life and limb by doing so. So, um, I, I, I do think that taxation is theft. I do think if you are consenting to a tax, then, then it's not really a tax taxes is by nature compulsory. Um, otherwise, it's more of a fund or a charity, and, and I have nothing against voluntarily giving your money wherever you want to. And the other thing I'll say right, is a, that it's a, it's a prerequisite of living in a particular municipality. Uh, it's a prerequisite of, of making the choice to live there. So that's that's it's an it's an it's an implicit agreement, which is by continuing to live here because it because I have it has been made known to me. For sure, by the time that I'm an adult that that needs to pay taxes, then I have to pay the taxes of this particular locality in order to live here. Gotcha. And then if you don't if you don't move, you are consenting to that, right? Well, not really, because there's no alternative. And I put it this way: you, you mentioned people, you mentioned though. practicality. For, I think for I think for most of the people who have this argument, it is, mm -hmm. there is an alternative. And yeah. you, in fact, moved. You moved from New York to, to Florida. Yes, I, and I, I but it's still not perfect. I still have plenty of things I, is, it, that are, it, there's still theft here. I think there's less theft. The, the point is, if you're talking about practicality, 
I'm not claiming um, that anything here is practical. My claim is that it's moral and it should be a guidepost. And that's why if the government is small enough and they're using the money for things I would use it for anyway, I'm not going to complain. They could steal my money if they're going to use it for what I agree with. The problem is if they're using it for things I don't agree with. And and the other problem is just because I agree with something doesn't mean someone else agrees with it. So at the end of the day, it's theft. And that doesn't mean that you can have a practical, at least the types of societies that we're used to without this theft. Um, and I'm willing to accept some level of theft if that is, um, you know, appropriate. But where to draw that line is quite arbitrary. Anarcho-capitalism is the only version of libertarianism that's logically consistent. And in terms of practicality, it is, I would say... Um, it's a fantasy. It is not something that can be achieved unless the government gives people the ability to do it or people, there, there are grassroots projects. And, and, and this is something interesting to talk about. Actually in New Hampshire, there's the free state project. The free state project is trying to convince libertarians to move to New Hampshire. The more libertarians there are in New Hampshire, the more they'll vote in for libertarian policies and, and libertarian governors. And there are states like New Hampshire and Texas and California even, where if there was a vote for secession, it's not a non-zero chance that they would be able to secede. And if you do secede from the government, then you can structure things however you want. And California can be communist and and New Hampshire can be uh, libertarian and Texas can be whatever they whatever they want to be gun country. I don't know what they're into. Um, but the point is, as things stand, if you want the United States to remain united, there is no way you can achieve a and narco-capitalist society unless the government gives you permission to do so. The government does not give you permission to not pay taxes. And so it is impossible to escape the theft of the government in the United States or anywhere because everywhere is taxed. And so it is a dream. There are people who live in the middle of international waters on a boat. Those people are fucking crazy. And it's not worth giving up your life for an ideal. I think it makes sense to stay in America, one of the freest countries, and argue for more freedom. Sorry for the rant. <laughs> no, not at all. No, that's what we're here for. So um, I'm going to set the the disagreements aside. I would love to hear you riff a little bit about libertarian socialism. Uh-huh. Uh so I, I, I'm assuming that the idea of libertarian socialism is something that you're familiar with. Not really, actually. Uh, I've never heard it said like that. I've been comparing libertarianism and socialism. I, I, I think at a small scale, anything is, is the same as long as everyone's consenting. And, and uh, you know, in, in a libertarian world, people be free to construct societies however they wanted to, as long as everyone there consented to it. So in, in libertarian land... There would be, um, uh, you know, uh, socialist societies, and and it would be interesting how they performed relative to capitalist societies. But um, they they would be free to both live in the same place. I and I don't see any issues with it. I don't think they contradict. Um, but I haven't heard the term. Is it a real thing, libertarian socialism? It's a school of socialist, yeah, uh, theory. Um, and thought. Um, I think my understanding of it personally is that it's it's in the main the flavor, let's say, of socialism that I've advocated for previously on your show, mm-hmm. which means there's a high level of democracy. There isn't like a top down control, but rather bottom up, you know, very it's there's a strong focus on like very thorough going democratic principles mm-hmm. uh, it's important for like the means of production to be collectively owned mm-hmm. uh, 
and it's especially by the people who use the means of production in order to produce the goods or services and um, libertarian in the sense of, you know, having a, a best effort at affording everyone the freedom to, to live their lives the way that they want to live it mm. and not the imposing kind of like an autocratic rule. So. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, as long as um, everyone there is, is consenting, there is no contradiction. I, I don't see any issues with it. Um, people have lots of thoughts on, on how they want to structure society. And sometimes it, it, you can confuse what types of society libertarians want with actual libertarian ideology. Um because libertarian ideology doesn't tell you how to structure society. Liber- that's, that's the thing, right? Like libertarianism itself is not a political economy. Correct. Right? Socialism is a political economy. Right. Communism, the whole like communist theory from Marx is a political economy. That's it's what it is. And political economy is what, you know, uh, I mean, the kinds of, uh, kinds of structures that we see are emanations of political economy and political science that's being applied by large governments in the world today. But libertarianism is like, uh, you know, like saying I want to build a libertarian society is like saying I want to build a, I want to build a utilitarian society or I want to build a deontological society. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you try to take something that's really like a moral philosophy and then turn that into a system of government yeah. and a system of and, and an economic system, which are really, I think we kind of agree that those two things are, are really inseparable. Um, there's, there's a very, very uh, intimate relationship between the government that any particular locality has and the economy that it has. It's just kind of uh, the way that the world has always worked mm-hmm. uh, or, or, the, or the absence of a government and uh, you know, the kind of economy that, that exists in the, in the, that kind of power vacuum. But um, it's almost like there's a lot of disagreement within the broader libertarian community about how to structure society because it's this it's because it's this like exercise in squaring the circle yeah it is very philosophical and um and and that's um you know at the center of a lot of libertarian discussions but there are a lot of practical political applications that have brought appeal um people who vote libertarian generally um, want the size and scope of government to be reduced, want the United States to um, remove themselves from foreign entanglements and not involve themselves in any wars. They want uh, to be the party of peace. They want criminal justice reform. They want drugs legalized. Um, they want the government to get out of a lot of the businesses that it's in, reduce spending, reduce taxes. Um, and they just want a freer society where people's rights aren't being infringed on. Um, and you can, you can take that and, and get more extreme with it. Um, there's lots more I could say about ending the fed, ending the department of education, ending healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. But at a basic level, um, getting out of the war, um, legalizing victimless crimes, um, and, and protecting, uh, people's, uh, individual and property rights. So those would be like the main things. Right. So uh, protecting people's individual and property rights sounds like something that I've heard as kind of like the most widely agreed upon set of government responsibilities yeah. that are acceptable to libertarians. I think, you know, like you said, aside from the uh, ultra extremist anarcho capitalists uh, who, who just want zero government at all. Which, which, to be clear, uh, that, I think is the most logical version of this philosophy. Logical in the kind of pure philosophy sense, maybe, but I think we agree that it's very 
hard to very hard to imagine that that's any kind of workable um, system in practice. Right? It's not like, hard to I, imagine. I it it's just very, hard to I actually end up with like cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. What <laughs> like right? Corporations it's, end up ruling the world at that point. I, I think there's a lot of possibilities and, and some are better than others, but, but my, my main issue is that at some point there's just diminishing returns. And if, if you chopped off 90% of the government, like the last 10% is probably like great. <laughs> like, like I, like I think that if you replace it with, with private, uh, whatever it could be done, but you're, you're putting in a lot of work and diminishing returns. I think that's my main issue with it. I mean, the problem for me is that whether or not you could do the same things through, like, you're talking about higher protection, like, that's inevitably a, uh, unless there is competition in this domain, like, it needs to be a kind of monopoly, security forces, or otherwise, it's competing outfits. Right, like one, that one can seems say that like a recipe for disaster to me. You, you know, on, on some level, that uh, you know, I, I did feel that way at some point, but I'm not, I'm not convinced that's the case. If you go to Disney World, they have security guards, and then if you go, you know, a few miles away to Universal, they have their security guards, and and those security guards never go to war with each other. They're just protecting their property, and it's not so inconceivable to say that the people protecting my property and the people protecting your property are not going to go to war with each other because i mean how how long have we been on the border of canada and have we gone to war with them like these things happen where people have protective but it's not it's not a it's not a question it's not a question of um you know, hired security for a specific private property. Well, in an anarcho-capitalist society, all private about, property is is private. That's how that works. So all property is private. Yeah. All persons are private. What about a person who can't pay for security? I mean, that sounds like a service that's pretty um in this kind of society mm-hmm. right i mean you you presume that everybody is it would be nice to think that everybody is libertarian minded in this society but inevitably in any given society there's always going to be people who think differently right and that's completely fine the in same libertarian society. the majority of people do so there's there's going to be people in this society who are not libertarian minded who might want to do harm and there needs to mm-hmm. be some kind of protection against that. Right. So there has to be a more like general peacekeeping force. Why can't the that's general about, peacekeeping force be like, libertarian? Well, that's that's my that's my question though. I mean the the peacekeeping force if it's a private force, mm-hmm. right? But it's general it's generalized to the the entire like libertarian island or whatever it is <laughs> um they have to have uh they have to have the the power to carry out whatever force is necessary in order to to neutralize threats mm-hmm. that arise right yeah um, libertarians are not, not against self-defense they're, and, they're, and they're not really and they're not really answerable to anything they they would be right the point I, is I, I, and by I, the way they, we're getting into nitpicky libertarian fantasy land where like the answers to these questions don't really matter but I, I'll, I'll give you answers there are answers um you know you know i mean i think i think that the with the, the answers matter when it comes to i mean we can switch back to just the philosophy of it, but then I think we're done, <laughs> right? Because it's not. No, because uh, this isn't is... practical either. Because we're, we're this is not happening anytime soon. Once we get to this point, it's like there's there's really not much work left to do there. Um, I think that getting to a point where where you're trying to figure out um, 
like how many security services there are and who's hiring who. Um, I think libertarianism already won at that point. Once that conversation is being had, um, there's no reason why. What is a practical question though? The question is like, can that actually work? In theory, or, or I don't see why is, it can't. What, I mean, it can work if the if the um, if the conditions are just just right for it to work, right? But if the conditions are that there are, you know, people who live in that society who are power hungry individuals mm-hmm. who have access to enough wealth in mm-hmm. order to amass a, like a private army. Mm-hmm you know, and, and, uh, take control of other people's property or coerce other people into their service. I think that that's a real practical question. So, but then your question isn't, what does libertarianism say? Your, your question is more, if you create a libertarian society, how do you prevent someone gaining power and making it not a libertarian society, turning it into a tyranny? I would even turn it on its head and argue, you know, maybe this kind of free market model is not as close to meeting the ideals of the philosophy of libertarianism. Maybe maybe in practice what I'm saying is that you know, actually living up to the ideals of libertarianism to the extent that that's possible in the real world where conditions are not always ideal and you don't have um, unanimous agreement, maybe what you need is something more akin to libertarian socialism. Or maybe you need something more like, uh, you know, um, I don't know, some some kind of parliamentary model. Maybe you need a government in order to safeguard freedom from harm for the people and and certain like basic rights that's that's really what i'm driving on not i don't have any problem with the idea the basic principle behind the philosophy of libertarianism and i think it's in essentially an agreement with just like a, a very basic basic notion of morality right we shouldn't hurt each other the do no harm principle is literally the golden rule right Non-aggression principle is like is like a fancy new way of saying like do unto others as you would have them do unto you or don't do unto others what you would find hateful to yourself, right? Right, but it, it's, um, it, it there's an additional clause with the non-aggression principle because it's not just do unto others what they would do un, unto you. It's with their consent. You can't do something just because you think they want it. People know what they want better than you do. Right, but that's why I, I followed up with the negative formulation of it, right? But but anyway, like this is again, you you, you mentioned the the um, the kind of the idea of somebody like explaining some explain to me the entire Bible while standing on yeah. one foot. It's, like, it's no, you funny can't because... actually do that. And there and then and then there is the guy who says, like, OK, I can. And in our case, you know, as both Jews that are familiar with this, but it's Hillel says, yeah, you know, don't do to others that which is hateful to you and and the reason the reason i said that is because murray rothbard uh, did paraphrase that when he was formulating the non-aggression principle he said no one may threaten or i'm I'm reading now no one may threaten or commit violence against another man's person or property violence may be employed only against the man who commits such violence that is only defensively against the aggressive violence of another in short no violence may be employed against the non-aggressor and then he says here is the fundamental rule from which can be deduced the entire corpus of libertarian theory so he he kind of formulated the ending the same way because it says that that's everything everything else is commentary kind of thing right so i but that's really i'm i'm driving at that because i feel like it's i feel like it it really at a certain point the libertarians self-proclaimed libertarians of today largely advocate for a type of society that's not conducive to realizing the libertarian ethos 
the original libertarian ethos of like the point of libertarianism is for everybody to be able to enjoy as much liberty as possible the positive liberty of doing the things that you want to do and also the negative liberty which is the freedom from harm Mm -hmm. that you should be free from the fear that other people are going to inflict harm on you those two ideals which i don't think anybody can argue with in principle i don't i i'm not sold on libertarian conceptions of of like extremely constrained government Mm -hmm. um actually actually meeting that right but maybe there are some people who would be very happy with that that kind of arrangement but i guarantee you that there is going to be a segment of society that is uh deeply unhappy with the results and 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 feels harmed and feels you know robbed the the truth is you're you're not alone there's uh <laughs> at least 90% of the country is not persuaded and, and uh, of the people who vote um you know we 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 I believe got less than 3% in the in the last election um most people are not sold um there's a lot of reasons for it um i think that people are used to the government some people say they like um, when the government steals from them, I'm not going to say that because I don't think that the the people who are okay with taxes see it that way. But even people who are okay with taxes are, are generally upset with how the taxes are used um, and the effectiveness of, of government um, programs and government agencies, um, giving money to foreign countries. Um, most people are not happy with how the government is spending their money, even if they don't view the taxes themselves as theft. People are scared of the other side. If you're on the left and you're scared of the right, and if you're on the right, you're scared of the left, and every time it's an election, people vote for the lesser of two evils. Um, And I don't think that people are straight down the line Republicans or straight down the line Democrats. Um, I'm sure some people are, but most people have issues and libertarianism allows you to escape from the paradigm and actually think about all these issues. Um, Honestly, I don't think that um, socialism is the ideal society, but I'm happy to allow socialists to try that experiment. The problem is that the government is not happy to allow um, libertarians to try their experiment. And so to libertarians, it feels like a tyranny Um, for people who are getting government welfare. They also would like to see the continuance of government, even though it usually hurts those people, even though um, those programs would usually be more effectively carried out by private prop, uh, uh, programs with uh, uh, competition and, and transparency, even though it's still immoral if you're stealing from somebody. Um, you know, the people who want to continue the government are people who uh, benefit from welfare programs, who see government welfare programs as good and, and don't see alternatives as viable, people who like getting uh, involved in foreign uh, wars, people who like, um, you know, government to be involved in, in, and tell people what's a crime. Just, 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 to, just to interject, on the, on the question of welfare specifically, yeah. the reason for government to be in charge of welfare is that if it's private then it is purely at the whim of private interest. There is okay. no welfare is supposed to be a guarantee of a social safety net. Yeah, private but, but those are words. Welfare is just what it is just charity. You're just ta- talking about charity. Those so it's a, charity can exist and it does exist. Yeah, but in the absence of government provided mm-hmm. welfare, which the point is as a society we are agreeing to not let people fall below subsistence levels of living, of, of food and shelter mm-hmm. and access to health care. That needs to be a function of society as a whole. It, can't, it cannot be just up to private philanthropy 
philanthropy. So I, I, I and I anyway, I don't want to be I, I don't want to continue in this vein because I've been more maybe more adversarial than I had even intended to. No, in the beginning. I'm so happy I to have the to, conversation. Yeah. But but before I think we're gonna close soon, before we do I have one more question before our wrap up question. Uh-huh. Uh so I wanted because the tone has been so I think I think very adversarial and I'm giving you a little a little bit little bit hard time. <laughs> I don't think you are. Um, I'm I'm enjoying the conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, me too. But I, I do want to know um, what, in your opinion, have been some major achievements uh, in the kind of libertarian experiment world, right? Uh, what are some kind of like small scale or are there some small, smaller scale or larger scale kind of like libertarian projects? that were good sort of proof of concept um, for the model that you advocate. I think the United States of America is <laughs> a really fucking awesome project that was, uh, was started with libertarian ideals. Um, I think that the, uh, the free state project is doing interesting work, but mostly just to point out, I know you're well aware, but we were pretty, pretty severely violating the the non-aggression principle at the time that this. I country I, was I agree, and America has <laughs> never lived up to the ideals, but it was still a pretty successful project that strived towards those ideals, and I think there's a lot to be said um, about the ideals as a guidepost. Even now, where I'm advocating for these ideals as a guidepost without any faith that the government will ever get to where I want it to be ideally, I think any movement in that direction is good. I mean, we do have things that are great. Um, drugs are legalized. Gay marriage is legalized. Not that I think the government should be in the business of marriage, but they shouldn't be criminalizing it. Um uh, you know, we, we, we need more things to get legalized. We need less people in jail for victimless crimes. And these things are improving. Um, uh, other things are yeah, getting worse. I would worse. a lot of that, by the way. I think we're, we're definitely aligned on a, on a lot of, uh, a, a lot of the, you know, I mean, Jim, these, uh, slavery these, these and Jim Crow, uh, you mean, know, we're, we're, the abolition, sure I'm, I'm going to count the abolition movement as a, a libertarian success. All right. <laughs> Just so I could get more uh, points. Okay. Um, well, with that said, I think we're, uh, we're going to close out the show now, Joe. If there's one thing that you want people to know about libertarianism, what's it going to be? <laughs> I want you to know that you're allowed to have your own thoughts about things and you don't have to follow everything that the Democrats and the Republicans say. You can escape from the Team Red, Team Blue paradigm and take on a, an opinion based on principle. And you could be as conservative or progressive as you want. The only thing that you cannot do is force that onto other people. And if you like to live in a world where people can have different opinions and still peacefully interact with each other, you might be a libertarian. And now I know. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even talk about COVID. <laughs> <laughs>